It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast, the nature and countryside podcast from BBC Country Farm magazine. My name is Fergus Collins and I'm your host. So we're nearing the end of our season of episodes that we're calling a taste of the countryside, where we're celebrating food and drink. And drink is the focus of this, our 12th episode, wine in particular. We sent our very own Tanya Jackson to the Garden of England, Kent, to visit family-run Turlingham Vineyard. Here she met up with Jackie Wilkes, who only moved to the UK from South Africa in 2007. But since then, she and her family have planted vines on the land and farmed without pesticides. And this basically is the story of what happened next. And I'm just coming into the vineyard. And, and you work a lot with, with nature here, don't you? I can, really, I can hear and see nature all around. There's lots of lovely big trees. There's lots of wild grasses and brambles and native trees and, you know, cow parsley. And everything is flourishing here. Could you tell us a little bit about what you do here? Yeah, absolutely. So we are we are natural farmers. Mm-hmm. So what that means is we don't use any artificial pesticides, herbicides, uh, fungicides, insecticides, nothing. It's all about being super eco-friendly and as sustainable as we can be, which means a lot of kind of manual work in the vineyard. Mm. It's um, just the family. So um, mm. my two sisters, myself and my mum and dad. And my mum does a huge amount of the farming herself still. Right. Uh, and my sister and I are, are in a lot as well. And it's, yeah, it's just about letting Mother Nature do what she does best, really. That's fantastic. And you, you didn't, when you bought this place, um, what year was that? So that was 2011. 2011. Um, yeah, we we're originally South African. You can hear yep. from the twine. <laughs> um, and my parents were looking for their forever home and they found Folkestone. And mm. obviously they fell in love because it's just so beautiful here. And the vineyard, the house and the vineyard came up for sale. Okay. So as a family, we decided, let's uh, give this a go. Let's put, um, our, <laughs> put our heritage that's into it. Give it Britain. You know, see how we can make it work. And at that point, it was it had been planted a few years before. Mm-hmm. And it was being farmed as a standard commercial vineyard. Um, so we just started doing it like that you know we sort of had the handover and they said these are your chemicals and this is your spray schedule and off you go and we took a little bit of time but we just got really uncomfortable with the kinds of things we were spraying on it's Mm. nasty stuff right Um, and the more we learnt about it the kind of worse we felt about that what was the nastiest chemical that you feel I mean you made you go at the time there was still glyphosate in the mix you know um, and a whole range of things that are, are some very common standard you know mildew sprays and various sprays for bugs um, but once you start learning about the side effects and what they do getting into the soil, mm. you know, we just started feeling there has to be a better way. Mm. So 
uh, we started researching obviously organic farming, biodynamic farming, and then came across this natural farming, which is kind of like the plus plus version okay. of those. Okay. Um, and it's still in its infancy in the UK. It's quite developed in in Europe. Um, they've been doing it for a long time and we've kind of been self-taught a lot of the ways so we've watched a lot of Spanish YouTube uh, <laughs> to pick up some tips Excellent. Um, and you just kind of learn as you go so we're learning all the time we're getting better all the time that's brilliant and yeah it's been great to see just the impact you were mentioning a minute ago just the life that is here mm. in the vineyard is amazing and the mm. change from when we stopped using the chemicals to now is just amazing now that we've been doing it for just over eight years we we're really starting to see that diversity increasing mm. and we're just trying to get our knowledge up as much as we possibly can really yeah. well so you're you're producing that this is natural wine it's in a sense it is there's a difference between natural farming and natural wine okay. so when people are speaking about natural wine often what they mean is wine where it's been fermented only using the yeasts and sugars on the berries. All right. So you can make natural wine from standard farmed grapes if you want to. Okay. Um, and the focus with that is on kind of the low intervention. Um, often there's a sustainability eco kind of element in it, but not always. So for us, the whole focus is really the farming, mm. making sure we're as eco-friendly as we can be. Um, we have made natural wines in the past, if we can manage, if we have an amazing year and the yeast strains are right, we get enough sugars, we have done natural ferments before, but we're not going to risk losing an entire year's crop if we can't quite manage it. So we do kind of use an assist if we need to. Let me show you. Um, this is a really great time of year, actually. You can see the inflorescence. So that is um, the tiny, tiny little... Oh, flowers that are developing okay, um, yeah. and in a few weeks hopefully we get flowering mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, the vines are self-pollinating mm -hmm. so they don't need insects or anything they just sort of pollinate each other oh, which is all very sweet wow. um, you just need a couple of days of dry settled weather for yeah. that to happen kind of successfully is that are they airborne then they are okay. yeah so you get these tiny little white flowers and the caps pop up and then the pollen just sort of drifts delicately oh, um, and you have either male and female vines or hermaphrodite vines mm -hmm. um, and they just pollinate each other and then once you have that you start to get fruit, seed, fruit set within a couple of weeks. Okay. Um, so each one of those tiny little flowers will become a grape if it's pollinated successfully. Mm. So this is a, a row of Chardonnay. Chardonnay. Uh, which is, uh, yeah, planted along the front here. Dear uh, Chardonnay, it's had such a rough ride. It's had a rough ride. <laughs> <laughs> it has. Um, I think as a, as a wine, everyone got very used to that very heavy, oaky, maybe too much sort of, you know, flavors a couple of years mm. ago. Um, now the trend is much more very light, very delicately oaked, mm. you know, kind of that Chablis style yeah. approach, um, which is what you get in the UK because we don't have those crazy hot summers. You're yeah. not going to get that like extreme ripeness and sweetness in your berries. Yeah. So if you're making what's coming off your vineyard naturally, mm -hmm. that's the style of wine that you're going to get. Mm. So 
that's um, what we're expecting out of these little guys. Mm -hmm. And of course the Chardonnay also goes into the sparkling wine. So it's part of that traditional recipe with the Pinot Noir and the Pinot Meunier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a darker one in the middle. What's yeah, that? that darker one is our Dornfelder. And oh. it's a Germanic grape. Um, it's cool climate. does very well here. And it's often blended in with Rondo, isn't it? It is. Red wines. Yes, we make a lovely rosé from those. Okay. Um, and if we get a super hot summer, we can get a red. Oh. So um, that's always very exciting. It's once every five <laughs> or six years <laughs> that we get like the perfect summer. Um, and it, it does make a very beautiful rosé. Mm. So, And if climate change starts resulting in much longer, much hotter summers for us, which, you know, it probably won't. Well, it'll probably be much more unsettled and unpredictable than that. But how would you negate those old-fashioned qualities of Chardonnay? So, <laughs> yeah, so, so a lot of it has to do with how much you're oaking mm -hmm. your your grapes i think for us it's not the, the variation in temperature you know it's it's sort of a slight change it's the, the issue with the climate change we're having is the extreme weather mm. conditions okay um you when you get a good year you have the best you've ever had but when you have a storm or wind or something then you're seeing these extreme weather events that they haven't happened historically so that frost i mentioned earlier we had 10 days of air frost in the vineyard in a row which has almost never happened mm. um so it's as a farmer all you want is consistency so you can plan sure. um, so that's that's the real challenge is how do you sort of plan ahead for your season if you don't really know what's going to happen so on the one hand you know, happy with a little bit of extra warmth and a slightly longer growing season. On the other hand, if you get one of these crazy things, you could lose the whole crop. So mm. it's a, a kind of a swings and roundabouts, really. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, I mean, what, what do you do in a situation like that? Have you got reams of uh, fleece? Are you out here at midnight trying to cover everything up? Oh, we, we're so small that um, for us, it's not really cost effective. What we do have is if you look down to the bottom of the vineyard, you see we've got this lovely big hedge that protects us from the wind, but uh -huh. we've cut a hole in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that, that lets out the cold air. Oh, And it, wow. it sort of uh, flows over the top and then down, and then it flows out. So that, in most, most years, that's all we need. That is a serious bit of engineering. How, how, did you, how did you know where to cut? How, did you get measurements it's, or is it just from being it just, around? It was trial and error. Yeah. And I think historically it was a bit of a low bit. And then over time we realized it was really helping. And because we're so close to the sea, uh, you can actually see the sea sort of just over the hills oh, from where we are. So that's the channel. I haven't looked that way yet. And it's... We get this amazing breeze blowing up from the sea pretty much every day. Mm. And that helps so much with mildew control. You know, that airflow, it's why the vineyard is planted with the lines going up like this so that you I get see. that. It's with the prevailing wind. Right. So that is critical for us. Um, and then the, the breeze keeps us slightly warmer in winter. So usually frost is not a problem for okay. us you might get one or two days but nothing okay. the end of the world and our handy little hole is usually <laughs> all that we need um but yeah last year was just something else mm. um so a lot of it is just kind of trial and error you know you're learning all the time mm. and the great thing about the english wine industry at the moment is 
these last 10 years, we've gone through this transformation where it's just been to go from almost, you know, a few big companies and a few little guys trying stuff to now a proper industry with supporting businesses and experts you can draw on and just all the help and all the chat. It's amazing. So now we have um, a wonderful Facebook group, um, uh, very, very competitive around harvest time. Um, and, you know, we share a lot of stuff. Everyone's really open and helpful. There's a lot of smaller vineyards now. That's great. And it's great because we feel like we're part of a community yeah. and you feel like there's a lot of people trying the same things and, you know, oh, someone's had a great idea. And so that is really helpful. Ten years ago, you know, it, we didn't have a lot of those sorts of resources to draw on in the same way. So now it feels, you know, it's, it's great if there are kind of questions, issues, whatever, you, you have people that you can you know, really call on for some great advice. Um, someone even called me for advice the other day, <laughs> which was great. <laughs> so I enjoyed that. Um, what was the advice you gave? Um, it was actually, we were talking about um, at pruning time, it, you, when you prune, you need to seal that wound. Mm -hmm. um, and we've made our own little organic kind of mix a few years we've been using it for about five six years now um, with linseed oil and tea tree oil and a little bit of beeswax okay. kind of all melted together and you just paint it on with a paintbrush and it works brilliant fantastically yeah because everything else is just like a chemical sort of paint stuff yeah well tea um, tree would kill the fungus wouldn't it it would beeswax is antiseptic that and obviously seals, seals it, it up um, and, and the linseed oil just helps get it to the right consistency because yeah. it's cold when you're pruning so it has to stay liquid enough so that you can actually put it on okay um, right. but not so liquid so that it drips off okay. <laughs> so, again trial and error yeah. um, and this is what uh, this uh, person from this other vineyard was asking me was what kind of is that mix they wanted to give it a go because they're also trying oh hello butterfly oh what's that can't tell it's darted away so quickly Not a common one. It was black with orange bits, but it wasn't a painted lady or peacock or admiral. Anyway, yes. So that sounds great. So that was that was great, and it was it was nice to firstly see that someone else is really looking to try and be a bit more eco-friendly. Yeah. Um, we're really seeing that in the industry now as well. People are you? Are much more focused there is now a sustainability certification that everyone can kind of go for uh which is great um so we did it for the first time this year um, okay. and obviously we you know kind of ticked all the boxes and yeah. had the whole audit and everything and that yeah. was really nice a plus um, plus a plus plus it's quite nice uh, of course we always give ourselves five stars for everything but it's nice when it's official <laughs> so that was great and actually part of it was a carbon footprint measurement thing um so you put in all of your activities on the vineyard um as well as anything that happens off-site or if anyone comes to you you mm -hmm. include like their car emissions so you can't just outsource all your carbon okay, by getting okay. other people to do it yeah so you have to include everything um and our carbon footprint of the vineyard and the woodland up just behind there was minus 11.91 tons wow. per year it was great well was, done we were so amazed by that like it was 
you know, we assumed it would be pretty good, but yeah. that was great. It is great so. to see all the buzzing yeah. solitary bees Hello, and the butterflies, bees. cheeky we, um, crow. If I can find it for you, I'll show there's a um, there's a very cheeky badger uh-huh. that has set up. We've got a, a set in that uh, hillside there, uh-huh. um, which is fine. They've been there for years. They don't cause us, you know, trouble. Um, but there's one little dude who has set up his set somewhere in here. Ah, uh-huh. inside the vineyard. It, yeah, that's really pushing his luck a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so... We, Does, um, do they do much damage to the grapes? They they love grapes. Yeah, they love ripe grapes. Okay. Um, and we for a few years we weren't quite sure what to do. Okay. Um, so but then what we've started to do now and it works surprisingly well is the rondo grapes. Mm. They ripen first about two weeks before the rest. So when we harvest those, we leave about five percent on the vine. Wow. And those get super extra juicy ripe. And the badgers just go to those, and then they leave the Chardonnay alone. Wow. Um, so... I mean, this is not a huge site. It's surprising it's, that that's enough to sustain them. How, how, how yeah. big is your vineyard here? It is four acres under vine. Four um, acres. And, yeah, they, they seem to only want the ripe grapes. I right. guess there's enough food in the woodland behind, mm-hmm. and the grapes are just a snack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it seems like if there are riper ones, they they don't go for the other ones. Okay. Um, clearly, they have very discerning tastes. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so that you know works really well. Um, you see, we have a bit of a strimming job to do at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's growing. <laughs> um, did you do no mo May? We we did no mo May. Excellent. It looks like we did no mo twenty twenty two. But well, that's, uh, that's only a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, it is good, and we're seeing now a nice diversity of kind of different kinds of grasses and stuff uh-huh. coming through, different flowers. Um, they're really starting to kind of mix it up a little bit which is yeah. which is really nice to see so we only mow a couple of times a year Fantastic. we try and keep it sort of clear you know around the vines as much as possible yeah um and the weeding is all just by hand wow so, <laughs> i trust your pickaxe um it's got there, got a meadow brown over there. Oh, there you go it's nice to see the butterflies they when we first had you know first sort of took over the vineyard we didn't have butterflies here right. you know they're they're so sensitive to the sprays and stuff if you're seeing it in an agricultural space yeah you know it's it's pretty unusual so now to see as many as this um is really great that's fantastic I, yeah, it's, and this is a little bit of ancient woodland behind us. So oh, no. Quite a special little, um, special little ecosystem as well, and we've seen the health of that really improve yeah. as well. We've got lots of bramble. That looks like a damson or a plum over here, just growing wild. Elder hawthorn. That's, or is it apple? Is that a little apple tree? It's an apple tree. Yeah, there you go. Ah. Which one is the Bacchus? Now the Bacchus ah, is the... so Bacchus is this little triangle that we're walking past right ah. now. Um, and you can kind of see they're a slightly different shape. They're kind of a bit more, like, heavy set, Like, they yeah. get a bit thicker. Because um, this is really the revolutionary English grape, oh, isn't it? 
if I could have a hundred acres of Bacchus, I would be so happy. <laughs> I just love it so much. Um, and it's the great thing why I think it's becoming so popular is it's a cool climate grape. It loves to grow here. Mm. It does very well. It's pretty robust. Um, you know, by comparison, a, a Chardonnay or a Pinot Noir is always, you know, it doesn't really want to live here. Okay. <laughs> um, but these guys, they, you know, they're quite prolific. You can see here, you know, we're going to have nice dense bunches coming. Oh, yeah. Um, they're still a, a little way away flowering, um, mm -hmm. but it's all looking really healthy. So yeah, Bacchus, it just, it, it does so well here. And when it's grown, it's originally from Germany. They use it as a filler grape there. It doesn't have the same kind of characteristics when you grow it. But when you grow it in the English terroir, somehow there's that elderflower kind of flavor that comes out mm. that's unique and it's amazing. And yes, if you are a fan of English wine, hunt out a Bacchus because it's <laughs> just amazing. It you is. Know, it really is fantastic. It so. Is. Yes, we love our little Bacchus babies very much indeed. <laughs> and you did produce a wine in 2018, was it, with Madeleine Angevin? Oh, yes, so that was our 2019. That was fantastic because 2019 was a very tricky growing year. Was um, it? Very cool, very unsettled, lots of rain. A lot of vineyards got very small harvests. Okay. So... What we've been doing over the last couple of years is starting to work with some small kind of organic vineyards or vineyards that will move to the natural farming. Um, there's one called Elam Valley Vineyard. I don't know if you've heard of it, mm -hmm. but guys like that where they're moving to the natural farming and we'll help them and tell them, don't be afraid, it's great, um, <laughs> and then buy their grapes at the end. So there were a few of these guys where they... You, you really need a ton of grapes to press if you're going to kind of in the machines everything like it doesn't work if you're using less than a ton it's not enough so there were a few of these grapes that were, it would just go to waste i think they had 450 kilograms of the madeline angevine um, 99 kilograms of huxel grebe oh. <laughs> which <laughs> like you you know it generally it would just either be left you know just picked and left on the ground or you know just chucked away so um we work with this great company called defined wines and um our winemaker there poppy said hey guys you know i have some grapes that might go to waste you know um do you want to do something cool so we said yes don't like that you know the zero waste approach for us that's really important you know all that energy that's gone into growing these grapes through the year like we've got to do something so we made this blend with our Bacchus and some of these really funky little unknown grapes and it's it's fantastic it is yeah. oh, thank <laughs> you it's a it's a kind of one of a kind I think we only got about 450 bottles of it oh, wow. um but it, it's just magic do you and think you'd be tempted to plant some oh i would love to I mean, the, they are beautiful they're these gorgeous big they make these big bunches of white grapes um they're very instagrammable <laughs> type grapes they're fabulous um and the flavors are wonderful they're very versatile mm. um they do very well here so yeah. i think in our our kind of plans going forward because of the way we farm it's so like manual and intensive 
rather than planting more vines, we're going down that cooperative approach where oh, if we can work with some other vineyards, help them move away from the chemicals, you know, then we can start buying grapes and we'll kind of expand like that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of the, the plan. Um, but yes, when we're taking this lovely walk around, I just want to have millions and millions of vines. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. Pigeons can be a problem. So we have a neighboring farmer here and depending on what he's planting, some years if he's planting something that provides loads of food for the pigeons, they're not that interested in the grapes. Okay. But in a year, I think he had rapeseed the one year and that, they're not particularly interested in that. So we had a lot of pigeons. Um, so we have um, these giant yellow like balloon things with eyeballs on them and we can just kind of hang those around and those are quite effective <laughs> we um eyes of sauron <laughs> they're terrifying dangling around um, excellent and we kind of run out here with pots and pans and we have some firecrackers <laughs> that sort of go off at random times if you need them wow um but it's it's not a you know it, it's one of these things where when you have a year with pigeons like that they could easily you know kind of eat most of your crop oh my god so it's uh yeah so you've got to be quite on it but we're always in here so if you need to do some pigeon chasing mm -hmm. then that is what you do <laughs> instead of you what would you say your your main sort of insect problem is what do you what do you have to be most what's the biggest bravest kind yeah. of step scale beetles are oh. a real um kind of challenge okay um, the aphids used to be a real problem but now the ladybugs seem to eat them all okay. so they're not as much of a problem there's some types of aphids that some types of ladybugs don't eat so you know sometimes they don't eat all of them okay but it's that has largely gone as an issue since we stopped spraying. Um, but the scale beetles are a problem because they hide under the bark. So it's quite hard to see them. But my mom is amazing because she's like, she's this child of the earth. She's like, if I see an anthill, I know there's a scale beetle. And then that's how she kind of finds them so we're always on the lookout for anthills and then you kind of lift the bark and you see a little line of these guys what's um, the ant scale beetle relationship is it like aphids that's a really great question i'm not sure mm. i don't actually know wow yeah they they do seem to come together mm. and it's yeah, and, and the scale beetles will just kind of tunnel in. They can kill a vine if you leave it long enough. Mm. Um, but they're quite easy to remove when you see them. Mm -hmm. So you just kind of scrape them off and squish them. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you yeah. feel a little bad. but It's okay. It's okay. There's you don't feel that bad, I'm sure. Around. <laughs> yes. Um, so, and they don't seem to kind of spread too much between the vines okay. so if you find one you don't have to panic that it's like this entire line is now scale beetled yeah um it's kind of one by one so as long as you're watching out for the ants then you're probably identifying most of the scale beetles mm -hmm. um yeah, my mom's way better at finding them than I am. <laughs> She's like got the knack somehow. Um, so I'd say that's our, it's the scale beetles and it's the mildews that you're really yeah. kind of going for. I'm now looking for anthills. Yes, exactly. What have we got here? It's a big yeah. pile of soil. I think this is 
This could be an anthill. Doesn't look like a molehill, does it? Mm. No. And usually, see, if you pull the bark off and that is kind of underneath, that's where they would be. Now this little vine here, I think he's been a victim of mm. a canker. Ah. And it's like a trunk rot disease. Oh no! So you see, if you look around the vineyard every now and then, you see a little ribbon, and that ribbon means vine in trouble. Okay. Um, so usually what happens is you just pull the vine out, uh -huh. burn it, and you're done. But my mom's really sentimental about them, so we cut them back until you find the healthy kind of part of the trunk. Okay. And then hopefully, over two or three years, you can kind of regenerate it. Sometimes they're kind of too far gone. I think this little dude might be, you know, this this might be him. He doesn't look great. Yeah. Um, but definitely an anthill. Can see the little. Yeah. There you little. go. Orange brown ants moving around. What's that? Is that? A, I don't know what type of ant that would be. Wood ant or something. So yeah. it's it's possible that he, you know, being kind of very weakened from the canker. If yeah. there was a bit of a scale beetle or something getting into the roots, that could have been the end of it. Oh dear. Um, but I'll show you one of the ones we did. Um, kind of save. You okay. see, he's just got this one like really spindly. Oh yes, little all coming up. So we've got a trunk oh. with yeah, with one tiny vine sticking out the top. So he's um, this would have been one that it's about three years, and if they're going to make it, then you start seeing a bit of growth. Okay. Um, so well, appearances can be deceptive. I mean, this is completely um, peeling off, isn't it? Yeah. And some of them, the bark is more peely. Um, that's oh, just okay. kind of how they grow. Variety. Um, but yeah, you can see a little bit of that frost damage there. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, Crunchy brown bits on the end of the leaves. It's still fairly, I mean, this guy might actually get some grapes this year. Mm. Your um, industry standard is you can expect about a bottle of wine per vine oh, okay. on average. Um, we keep ours cropped slightly lower, so it's about three quarters of a bottle okay. per vine. Mm -hmm. um, so each variety will make a different number of bunches, and some of the bunches are very dense, and some of them are sort of more spindly. Mm -hmm. um, but they all sort of make the same amount of juice, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they work quite hard, these, yeah. <laughs> these little vines. And you didn't just move away from pesticides and herbicides as well. You, you've rolled it all out to your packaging as well. You've stopped using yes. foils. That's right. I think you must be the only company I've... So maybe... Well, actually, there's one company I can think that uses a wax seal. But that's quite unusual, isn't it? It is quite unusual. Um, yeah, those foils on the top of the sparkling wine, they're just cosmetic. And they come from back in the day when everyone sort of filled their bottles by hand it was very hard to get the levels perfect so you just hit it with a foil <gasps> and then it looks great that's it that's literally so now i mean for most we when we do our disgorging we still do fill by hand but most companies it's all automated so there's wow. no need for it anymore right and most of i mean that it's a foil or it's a mixture of foil and plastic it tends to just end up in landfill it's very hard to recycle that stuff sure so, yeah, it's about five years ago. We uh, just looked at it and like, why are we doing this? <laughs> this, is, this makes no sense. So, 
yeah, we got rid of that. We now just have a little paper tab over the top. Um, our labels are paper as well. Um, and that's been great. That's made a huge difference to our footprint. Um, mm. And cost and as well, presumably. The cost, you know, the, the time. Yeah. You used to have to melt these things on individually. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Such a pain. Yeah. Um, so it really is one of those things. You just sort of step back and you go, what is the purpose of this thing that I am doing? <laughs> um, so that's been, you know, that's been really a, a nice change to make. Mm. Um, and there there's definitely now an awareness our customers are sort of quite excited about the fact that you know they can feel better about the bottle they've got in mm. their hands mm. um and yeah i think we'll see more and more companies starting to adopt that sort of stuff mm-hmm. cool yeah. and how much of your uh, i mean did let's try that again did you make wine in south africa we did not. Uh, you would think that, you know, we would have brought all this amazing sort of skill and expertise over, um, but no. <laughs> um, we, um, we were all in totally different things. My dad was a, a solicitor. Um, I was a solicitor. So Caroline's an engineer. Um, and my mum ran a landscaping business. So she was the closest to... Um, you know kind of what we're doing today but it was just real kind of luck where we the the sort of the house this opportunity came up and we sort of thought well can we do this here look hoverfly was attracted to the mic so you went for it you decided we had a family talk and you went right let's do it how hard can I can it be? I think that was um, the phrase that somebody used, um, and it was it was great. The family who was selling up had um, a contract winemaker kind of on site, so he stayed on to do a handover. My dad went to Plumpton College, um, and he did you know some of their courses, and then we've always just worked with amazing kind of winemakers and experts and all of that. So it's been just a an amazing like learning experience yeah um and then caroline and i we stayed in our london jobs you know for a couple more years but then we just saw this opportunity um and we thought okay let's head down do it full time and you know see if we can build this into something real you know that we can hand down to our kids and you know if it will last so yeah that and that's just been amazing that's fantastic Um, yeah so it's it's just we feel so lucky to be doing it Mm. you must be a pretty close family to want to move back in with your parents I mean did you have kids at this point we um we do yeah I had my eldest and then we all moved down um luckily not all in the same house but very close I think Caroline's commute is three minutes (laughs) (laughs) Um, so you know but we just thought to have this sort of lifestyle and live near the sea and you know be able to do something that's like physical you know mm. is is great and the kids really enjoy it that's um great. and you know the my eldest is now old enough to really understand it and he's very proud and he goes and he helps his dodo in the in the vines we're going to go look after the vines mummy <laughs> um, so it's it's just a great kind of experience mm. um and we were really lucky with the how the industry is growing and we've kind of been able to capture some of that Mm. Um, so yeah it's been great it's fantastic have you had any um, 
funny or interesting or challenging wildlife encounters other than the badgers? <laughs> the, the badgers would definitely be my number one. Um, <laughs> we have had, uh, we, we've got a, you know, some foxes in the woodland as well, and they're obviously very comfortable. We had a group, we do these wine tastings, um, and we had a group just up at the top of the hill there. We were standing doing a little wine tasting for them. Um, this is a couple of months ago now. And the, um, we saw a pheasant walking down there. Oh, so lovely, a pheasant, isn't he beautiful? And this fox shot out of the undergrowth Ooh. and took the pheasant in front of everyone wow. and just disappeared. Ballsy. And everyone just stood there. Like, <laughs> oh, who needs wine? Okay. <laughs> it, was, it was so... Um, unexpected yeah and uh yes so uh yeah people people did have an extra glass that day <laughs> i think just to settle the nerves um but i i think the the wildlife for us has been such a like i don't know like this unexpected pleasure because when we started we didn't realize how sterile it was you don't know what you're missing mm. and just over time you know, you start to realize kind of the richness that's coming back. And that's just amazing. Mm. You know, we get frogs getting lost and hopping into the barn. And, you know, <laughs> and a couple of snails or whatever that somehow find their way. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's nice. And it's nice, especially for the kids to show them, you know, mm. there's all this stuff out there. You should, mm. you know, be a part of it sort of thing. Um, and you've, have yeah. you opened out to weddings and functions and things? We are so small. Um, we we haven't done any weddings. We do okay. do a few like really small little birthday parties. Mm -hmm. um, very popular with the Hindus. Okay. So, yes. So always thoroughly enjoy um, a Hindu or two, and that's always great. Um, so yeah, it's a really nice space for that sort of stuff, but mm. it's all very low key. Um, and yeah, uh, you know, just. A lot of our a lot of our customers are really local. It's a very supportive community mm. around here, um, which is just fantastic. Mm. You know, they kind of walk up the hill and come for you know come to buy a bottle of wine or something. Um, so that's that's been really nice. Uh, we get a fair amount of international visitors, and now that kind of restrictions have lifted, they're starting to come back. So a lot of kind of Finland and you know the Netherlands and the, kind of these all these cool places. Some American visitors. Wow. So it's quite it's quite nice. You kind of get to meet this amazing range of people. Yeah. So looking out, I mean, you've got the view, haven't you? You've, you're, you're basically just looking out. Is that the sea or is that land? It is. is it's, you can it is. actually see France. It's so clear today. My That's God. the French coast, yeah. Is there a little bit of irony about that? There's a, you know, there's a, some healthy rivalry. Yeah. Um, we've got actually some amazing uh, guests who became friends who live literally right across the way. <laughs> um, so we, uh, we trade wine every now and then when they come to visit, which is amazing. Wow. Um, but that's one of the reasons why this area is so great for making wine mm. is this chalk seam. It runs from Dover all the way through to the Champagne region. So it's the same kind of soil mm. um, and, you know, just great for grapes. They love the chalk. It's mm. very, it offers very good drainage. Mm. Um, so, you know, they, they do very well in that. Um, and obviously the, 
this, the idea is that it gives a sort of minerality and a cleanness to the wines. Um, and you can definitely taste that in our wines. Um, some say it's the sea breeze as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kind of who knows, but there's definitely something special about that terroir. Mm. And did you have to do much when you switched from conventional farming to natural did you have to do much to, to enrich and build up the soil again or did, did it the... was yeah it was a slow process you know we sort of did it was a little bit of trial and error we realized a lot of stuff you're almost using it as a crutch sometimes in the industry so particularly um there's you, you spray sulfites you know sulfur as a you know it's a great preservative it's a great you know anti kind of most things so it's used quite a lot through the growing season and they spray it on the grapes when you harvest them because it preserves them before they get to the tank so things like that we we sort of thought oh well maybe we'll just use like less oh and then less and then less and you realize oh we didn't really need that at all so it was kind of this progression you know over sort of two or three years what do you really need what don't you need um the nutrition is the real challenge from a natural farming perspective um you know the moment you're growing anything from an agricultural perspective you're taking that nutrition out of the soil and you've got to find a way of putting it back in so we kind of mulch all of our cuttings back into the soil having the diversity of grasses and little animals living in there helps um, we do spot treatments with them um, there's an organic seaweed mix so if you see you can actually this is a great time of year to see it just across the vineyard you see where it gets very thin there's some hmm. little vines that look a bit weedy yes, there. yeah i can see them. there's very little topsoil there's just like a little lump of uh, chalk there okay. so they have less nutrition so those are the guys where if we're doing a little bit of a spot treatment they get a little bit of like extra love um (laughs) so it's it's something that we're always kind of watching for we're looking into planting cover crops so clover um particularly you know is a, a really good one the process is you sort of have to tear everything you've got out and then replant it oh so it's a huge kind of commitment and you've really got to be sure you want that and then it's not very diverse so we're seeing if we can maybe like just sprinkle it in mm. <laughs> apparently that doesn't really work very well because it's it's hard to establish because everything else is competing mm. um so that's one of those things that we're kind of investigating so i think that's how we're just doing everything is you're just learning as you go as the thinking develops you know what's the best way um We've got sheep on the the fields. Our neighbouring farmer um, sort of runs his sheep. Um, They have come in once or twice. Great fertiliser. They keep the the grass nice and short, Mm -hmm. but they introduce brambles into the space, which we learnt a few years ago. And once the brambles are established, then you've got a real job, you know, to get them out. So all of these things are... You know, there's hugely complex, so it's always just trying to figure out like what works for here. We're just making little friends. Um, you know, what works for here in this environment. You know, with all of those different factors at play, it's it's so interesting. Um, and now, when we raise these conversations with an agronomist or with another vineyard or something people are really engaging with it rather than well that's never going to work mm. <laughs> <laughs> 10 years ago when we started investigating it it was like well that is a stupid idea 
you know, <laughs> nice knowing you, goodbye. And now it's, oh, well, I tried this and we've tried that. And, you know, this farm is doing it like this. And it's just a totally different animal now, which How is great. Exciting. Yeah, it is so exciting. Yeah, very encouraging. So that was the amazing Jackie Wilkes with her own Tanya Jackson at Turlingham Vineyard in Kent. And you can find out much more about her work and the wine they produce by visiting the website turlinghamvineyard.co.uk. So this week is a holiday for me and the podcast team. So we won't be doing our usual plod chat, but we'll be back next week with lots more fun and more adventures in the countryside. For now, thanks so much for listening and goodbye. <laughs>